0: the snowball kind of effect you've got this tiny little bit of ice in your hand and you're pushing and you're pushing and you're pushing but and that's uphill and it's constantly uphill so you're kind of gathering a little bit now and again but really it's hard work and then now and again you get these little downward bits that just make things easier
1: hello i'm dave i'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together i need to get better please make me better i want to get better Better, better acquainted with you. Today, we're getting better acquainted with Dan. Hello, Dan. Hello. The first question that I ask everybody is, how do you know me?
0: Probably stand-up tragedy, initially, I think. Probably, I'm trying to think where I first did stand-up tragedy, was it at the Fringe?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely stand-up tragedy related, how we've met. I Mm. think we probably met through... The PBH Free Fringe yeah. Spoken Word meet. There was a, there was a general meeting yeah. for, for Free Fringe people in London. And uh, there was a sort of like get together within that of the spoken word people talking about what we could do. And mm. I think that, that might have been the first time I met her. Yeah,
0: and I, and I remember really loving the idea of stand-up tragedy. Uh, I, I don't know if you got the, probably not the idea, but the name from the Robin Williams routine. No, but that's interesting to hear. It. It's
1: interesting to hear that there's a no. I haven't. I didn't know mm. that one. I got it from a routine by Eddie Peppertone, okay. who is a comedian, uh-huh. uh, who is an American comedian, and I yeah, I got the name from from his routine. I met him in in mm. real life and. uh he slightly ob- objected to me having <laughs> taken the name. But I was pleased to discover after I sort of took the name from him that Andy Zoltzman had done a routine yeah. also with that gag in. Somebody's written a book called Stand-Up Tragedy. Yeah. So it feels to me like I don't have to feel too guilty, although I'm happy to keep on mentioning him yeah, as the place pretty, I found it. It so, feels like
0: a pretty public domain idea. Right. Like, as soon as you have stand-up comedy, of course, yeah. uh, you know, the, the whole theatrical mask
1: thing. It's a very, very tragedy. obvious yeah, pun, yeah. yeah. That's how I met you and I shared a venue with you in uh, in Edinburgh yeah. the, the first time we took Stand Up Tragedy there. That
0: fun, interesting venue.
1: Right. It was a hard <laughs> one to get anyone to know about. It changed yeah. its name in the middle of the run. That, yeah. was, that it was, was great.
0: Yeah, I remember turning up. The, the beauty of the Free Fringe is that you do get the venue for free. The flip side is when you're trying to put something on you do have to work around the venue rather than the venue working for you which yeah. is totally cool and the and the th- and the thing you have to do so yeah i remember turning up to that venue on my first day first fringe run first ever show at the fringe and it was just a building site and my show was starting 12 uh, 24 hours later Right. it was kind of terrifying but then the venue was actually brilliant in the end it was a, it was a nice little space it was a nice space nice it was neutral. hard to, yeah it was yeah. hard
1: to get people to but i think yeah. it's quite Good to do your time in a mm. hard venue. Yeah, uh, Which we both did. You did absolutely. much wor- worse than... I mean, you did much better <laughs> at getting people in, but yeah. th- but you had a much harder time because you were one person, mm. tirelessly. I mean, yeah. it's it Stand Up Tragedy, we kind of think of you, the team uh, sort of think of you as like an example <laughs> oh, of the kind of, the kind of dedication, mm. uh, you know, singular dedication. You were just going all around Edinburgh constantly yeah. flyering, going, you know, targeting yeah. your flyering really yes. intelligently uh, to mm. stuff that would bring people in. Because your your show was about, uh, about Pac-Man, right? <laughs> yeah. About Clyde.
0: More specifically, yeah, the Orange Ghost, Clyde uh, in Pac-Man. Uh, so it kind of had... I've kind of taken a lot from Richard Marsh, actually, who kind of works in this area. He builds his shows as comedy or theatre, but they're always poetry based. They rhyme. And and I I just ran a a Fringe workshop with Richard and he was telling us about running uh, a Great Love Story and Wingman and Skittles at the Fringe. And he's doing it in a paid venue. So, you know, he has the real incentive to get people in through the door. And he he flies for at least eight hours a day. I certainly wasn't doing that much, but I, I was just so impressed by that. He's up, out flyering first thing, as soon as people are there. He does his show and then flyers for another four hours, whereas most people do their show and finish. Right. But that was my attitude. I was, uh, Yeah. And and, and it, worked it worked for him. Like, right? He completely sells out. And Yeah, so yeah, I definitely think the... It worked for you. Mm, I mean, you did. Yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah.
1: By the end, you were selling out. And um, uh, you, Yeah,
0: you, I, got, I got decent audiences. <laughs> I, was, I was happy, but I, I definitely saw a bump this year or 2014, being in a more central venue. Right, we did, av- yeah, we did my too. my average audience was 10, 10 more people. Right. I think the show was less interesting uh, and a harder sell, in fact, because it was just geeky poems rather than kind of the concept show that's more... Right, because that mm-hmm. Clyde
1: show was, was, was- really like a, a wonderful piece mm. of well thought out and thank crafted theatre I mean we all really yeah. enjoyed the show as well, well coming I'm, to it thank so. you. Thanks.
0: you to you thanks I'm really I'm, I was happy with that I was happy with it as a first friend show I was happy with it as something that stretched me away from just doing a kind of set of 20 minutes of poems and chat and jokes I felt Rushed to finish it. Oh, it's funny. I've been running these workshops and telling people like, "Have your show finished by February." And like in practice, of course, it's like in yeah. July I'm still doing rewrites. I'm not going to have it no. Written, <laughs> <of course. laughs> um, all good intentions, but yeah. So I, I, I was happy with it um, for a first show. It got kind of three stars everywhere, which felt very fair. I'm, I'm I, would have,
1: I would have personally given it more. Than uh, I have to was, say, thank, thank you.
0: I, I'm I'm I having seen a lot in Edinburgh. It felt like a three star show being being objective which is an okay thing for a first show and it kind of gave me the confidence I could do an hour and hold an audience for an hour I could mix it up with kind of comedy with kind of lecturing with costume changes and, and kind of more theatrical stuff but
1: you had some serious yeah. bits as well yeah, and what was nice stuff. about yeah. it
0: yeah yeah that's true that's a bit different from my normal thing so certainly the yeah, doing some more heartfelt stuff, I suppose, was quite interesting.
1: And it was surprising because, mm. it, it, a, a, although it was officially mm. as a show about Clyde, yeah. uh, and it was about Clyde, yeah. it was also really a personal piece mm. about you, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think I think it's quite a, it's quite a common thing. I think the first, a lot of people's first kind of Edinburgh shows are about them and it's about their experiences yep. well um, my one's going to be yeah. I'm doing my first solo show this, this yeah. Edinburgh and it's going to yeah. be about yeah cool. about me and it is, yours is, uh, it's yours it's going to be Mansplaining right right excellent the title is indeed. That's of, <laughs> just got to put the word Mansplaining I think it's going to well I think
1: yeah it, mm. Mansplaining is going to be in the subtitle I think it's going to yeah. be what about the men <laughs> yeah um, yeah hashtag man, not yeah. all men right yeah. right okay. right yeah. I'm going to get good. the audience to shout not all men <laughs> every time I make a generalisation about men not <laughs> men yeah, and I hope, I hope that that will yeah. kind of have the dual purpose of showing that uh, it isn't all men, but at the mm. same time uh, pointing out how annoying it is the for a, yeah. a, a group yeah, yeah. of people to shout that yeah. at somebody who already knows that. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. I like it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, so yeah. I'm, 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 I'm kind of pondering Edinburgh now because it's, it's, you know, the kind of advices apply just around around this time, sort of December, January. Um, so I'm kind of figuring out what to do for my next Edinburgh. I'd like, I, I, I'd like to bring. Uh, we All Orange Ghosts Back. But funnily enough, I think I'm going to drop all the personal stuff and all the poetry entirely. Right. Uh, and I want to make it either a, th- a theatre or a comedy show, I think. Right. Um, entirely the lecture. But I think I want to make him more of a character and actually the personal stuff kind of is a bit more subtle. I was quite... I felt a little bit um, coding, brute force coding, uh, code cracking about the show. It was kind of like, right, here's my stuff I know about Clyde. Now here's kind of how it relates to my life. Right. And that felt a little bit Right, using of,
1: it more as a metaphor for everyone, yeah, potentially, yeah, rather than yeah. a specific metaphor absolutely. for you. Absolutely, absolutely. Right.
0: And I, I, I think I, I liked the show, and I felt it, it just strayed on the right line of being self-indulgent, not too, like, this is my life, and these are my difficulties, and... I I I mean it's the it's the universal thing which I was trying to go for and I, I felt it was probably just the right side of the line because it's easy to stray into self indulgence. Well, I'm, I'm going to so stay over that side. I think <laughs> my show is Well, if you're going to do a, it, very, go yeah, right. Yeah, go the other side of it. Just, I
1: mean that's like, how. Yeah, yeah, I think that's definitely mm. it. Like if you're going to go personal, go yeah. really personal. Yeah, absolutely. And then and then yeah. people are sort of like, go oh, okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually,
1: the more personal you get, the more specific you get. I think yeah. The more universal it can, can that's become.
0: True. I think it's what what the content of that personal stuff is as well. Like my my growing up isn't isn't particularly troublesome or problematic or it, it was a fairly standard thing right. I had fairly standard teenage worries and and worries in your twenties you know. so it's kind of I suppose I didn't want it to feel like a poor me because there right. is no poor me really comparatively right so yeah so I I, I felt like uh, I feel I feel probably eliminating the stuff that is definitely me saying here is my growing up thing transposing it to a character. And kind of make it a little bit more subtle. I'm a big fan of Ross Sutherland. He's he's one of my kind of poetry and theatrical and people heroes, I suppose. He's right. he's just a great guy. Um, makes amazing work from a kind of spoken word poetry background. And his standby for tape backup did this really well. Like, have you seen the show? Have you seen that? No. So basically no. he found an old VHS tape his granddad used to record TV shows from. So it's been constantly overwritten and, you know, like it's falling apart. The tape is kind of being destroyed. But it has kind of random clips of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, then a bit of the cricket, and then random adverts. So it's like a complete mashup of the things his granddad was watching, so obviously he keeps recording over the footage. And he kind of uses these loops to do poems and storytelling-type pieces, loops the stories, loops the tape, but in doing so kind of tells you about his growing up and his relationship with his granddad, who was massively important to him. And it's just so subtly done, that kind of mixture of this is me and this is what's you know how how I dealt with the death of my grandfather, right? And but beautifully done, hilariously done. Uh, yeah, that 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 that's a real good example, I think, of kind of being able to tell a a universal personal kind of story mm. without it still being self indulgent, but still being amazingly high quality and cr- really accessible. So yeah, so I kind of want to lean more towards that, I think, rather than go there. some of the poems in the Orange Ghosts piece were just kind of quite to the point, not particularly. <laughs> I didn't feel they were particularly artistic, or right, what, what okay. I like. What I like about poetry is you can attack stuff from weird angles. Right, and you can you can tell somebody about something in this weird way that you, when it's more direct, that feels more like prose or storytelling. Right, whereas I think poetry does ambiguous and weird. Well, well I agree actually. Yeah.
1: I mean I think when mm. I use, more, I mean because I've I've written poetry here and there I guess it was the first thing I started writing before I moved on to other things. Yeah. And it's definitely the, my go-to place for ambiguity and mm. complexity, right? Yeah. And and uh if I want to do stuff that isn't ambiguous and complex I'll I'll write prose or I'll I'll, I'll write scripts Uh, and I think that's that's really true it's one of its strengths Mm. although performance poetry is a different beast from poetry on the page and I think a lot of performance poetry quite fairly is is in your Mm. face and 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 explicit and and direct and all of those things that Mm. I think spoken word allows Mm. I mean it's like because it's also it's poetry but it's also Speech. It, mm. it can go either way, and they're, they're both good ways for it yeah. to go. And of course, he says, <laughs> says <so>,
0: diplomatic. <laughs> and of course, and of course, you know, the, the, when it's in performance, the blur between the person chatting and the poem can be very non-existent. The, the, the difference between a poem and a story can right. be almost non-existent. Um, it's the whole genre thing uh, and categorization thing you have to kind of struggle with
1: right which you struggle with a lot right passively yeah
0: definitely at the moment yeah I did, I did a I'm kind of trying to figure out what to put my shows into when it's poems and me just chatting a kind of stand up poetry routine that very much feels like what I think spoken word is what I think the public thinks spoken word is and that's right. what you're constantly I think asking kind of what did the the ge- this, this non-existent general public. Because the only reason we categorise things mm.
1: as artists is because we don't want someone to come in thinking that they're getting yeah. one thing and yeah. then be disappointed exactly. with what we're giving them. That, just that, for, yeah. for our yeah. sakes and for their sakes. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And it, it's it, it's it's just because it you need to arrange things. You mm. need to put things in in an order other people can understand. <clears throat> you need a commonality of language. Even though most people understand that theatre might have a poem in it or stand up routine might have. Singing, and it? kind of one yeah. of the
1: ironies about language is it's never going to mm. be a common thing. Absolutely. like wh- wh- whatever we want, like, however yeah. much we define yeah. words, somebody else defines yeah. them differently, and then uh, yeah, we're in, like, <laughs> we're in those conflicts. <laughs> and, and, we and all know. And it should be like that, and that's
0: beautiful yeah.
1: otherwise you get into
0: kind of Orwellian new speak No, like, that's true, too. Yeah, like, right? There is one definition for every word, and, and it's just a reduction of meaning, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I'm gonna go and get another get coffee. Okay, do you want to top
1: up? Uh, yeah, actually, I'll just uh swig yeah. this back. Yeah. Thank fresh. you. This is good. Some nice uh, some
0: nice <laughs> um I will go theoretical at any given moment. No, but this is good because this is a nice
1: kind of uh, context moment because yeah. I should, uh, as you can probably tell, we're in uh, we're in Dan's flat today recording this. So, yeah, we have coffee at our disposal. Also biscuits,
0: if you'd like
1: a biscuit. Oh, I'm all right for biscuits, but thank you very much. That's uh, an excellent offer. So, yeah, so the second question mm. that I ask everybody is, yeah. what do you do now? That kind of awkward question you get at a party, I guess.
0: Sure. Um, <laughs> I'm, so I'm fully freelance and kind of self-employed now. I've been self-employed, like registered self-employed for about four years or so, but I've been working for sort of Apples and the Snakes and uh, various kind of, yeah, proper work, <laughs> like in an office and everything. So I was at Apples <clears throat> and Snakes for two years. And Apples uh, and Snakes are... Apples and Snakes, the leading organisation for performance poetry, I think is still the tagline. But they're kind of the biggest, certainly most national portfolio organisation, arts organisation for spoken word poetry in performance. And they're awesome. They do amazing work up and down the country. So I was I, I was running doing marketing stuff with them for two years, obviously on the side, sort of building up my own poetry practice and, and creative practice. Uh, and then yeah, I left in September twenty thirteen. Yeah, so it's been just over a year I've been fully without, fully, the fully without. A, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it's kind of it was you know a kind of long process to go there. Yeah, four or five years in the making to be able to. Make the self-employed thing work, right? Financially.
1: Well, I mean, good. I've been doing yeah. self-employed for six months, and yeah. I've just about made it work. And I de- mm. that's definitely—I yeah. wouldn't have been able to make it work without probably about the same four or five yeah. years of like yeah. building up contacts, I've, building I, up work. Yeah. I,
0: I, I followed your kind of stuff on on Facebook, and it <laughs> felt much more of a. Push than a jump. Um, <laughs> I, I thought I was I was really lucky. I, I in terms of I was working in Canterbury for two years, working for a business consultancy, where working in the arts. So I made kind of lots of contacts through that.
1: I mean, are, um, are you mm. you were officially the poet laureate of Canterbury. I was yeah,
0: Canterbury <laughs> laureate for uh, a year and a bit. That felt that felt like one of those. It, when you're doing the freelance thing, it feels like you're pushing the snowball kind of effect. You're, you've got this tiny little bit of ice in your hand, and you're pushing and you're pushing and you're pushing. And that's uphill. And it's constantly uphill. So you're kind of gathering a little bit now and again, but really it's hard work. And then now and again, you get these little downward bits that just make things easier and things like the the laureateship set the ball rolling a little bit more. Things like that are kind of quite clearly identifiable. That's a really important moment in my career so far or or my life so far. Life and career are the same thing when you're self-employed. Yeah, so that was a a really good kind of moment that really helped me gain momentum to continue this overly extended metaphor. Um, Yeah, so... That was a big thing. So yeah, having, having something that identifies you as a quality person, that's right. essentially what that, that kind of thing does. Because you can only make it as an artist or kind of any self-employed career, actually, if other people believe that you can do something well. And right. You can only get that if you actually do those things well. Right. Um, and other people have the faith that you can go further and do more. Um, so the laureateship was a good example of that. It, it was a stretch for me at the time. It felt like maybe I should have this in two or three years if I'm lucky. When I was asked, I was kind of like, wow, okay. I've only been doing this for a couple of years. Surely there are more worthy people. It was a really cool thing. It was a good project to work on. Massively increased my kind of skills and ability to deliver work, I suppose.
1: Yeah. yeah. Which, of
0: course, led to other stuff. And that's, right. that's how freelancing goes.
1: And a lot of the work that you do, I mean, a lot yeah. of the things that I think, one of the things I think is really valuable about you as a as a as a, an artist, if you like, if that's a comfortable term yeah. to be used about uh, you, yeah. but also as a, a member of the community, of the spoken yeah. word community, is the, the work you do is often sort of pushing. At the boundaries, not in a kind of pretentious way, but more in a kind of fun way, actually, Mm. uh, of what what spoken word is and how it can interact with the public. Mm. So, and I mean, I know you've done a lot of like writing poems to order or going out Mm. and writing poems for people in the streets, or uh, but also you bring in a lot of like references from geek culture, yeah, absolutely, that sort of stuff that which brings new audiences in. So, yeah, yeah,
0: I think I think, and I'm sure lots of poets say this, and I still think it is true. We all love poetry. We're already on board with it. If you like spoken word poetry, that's great. It is a hard sell for people who think they don't like it. And that's true, again, of any art form. But, you know, music doesn't suffer from the same problem. Comedy doesn't, because it's popular, because it's on TV. You don't, hear one song you think is a bit rubbish and then write off music but poetry kind of I, I know people mm, who do that they, they, they hear they hear a very self-indulgent cliched poem and they go that's what poetry is yeah. and it, maybe it's understandable but I do have to work through those kind of prejudices sometimes well, you're
1: not you're not, sa- you're not made to sit down at school and study like throbbing, no, throbbing gristle or something <laughs> no. or, or, or craft work or something yeah. really kind of intellectually yeah, 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 yeah. complicated Absolutely. and expected to, yeah. to apply that to all yeah. um, music I think it's getting better though
0: like you're going to schools now and, and when I, when I do workshops in schools I do sometimes say you know who do you like in poetry or spoken word and, and you do get to go oh, Benjamin Zephaniah or Kate Tempest and, yeah. or, or Rob Alton or Mark Bristol or someone and it's they know it and they like it and that's really cool but there is that disconnect between that and poetry on the page or poetry that's more there to be disassembled and analysed which I love doing as well of course they know, yeah. like, I just finished my English MA so I, I love the, the analysis side of things but it, it it's not the first thing you should bring to poetry. It should be the enjoyment of it and an appreciation of it as an aesthetic thing rather than a thing to go, write what's really happening here? Right, and even in mm. the
1: analysis, you can bring enjoyment of that. Like, I think that's one of the things yeah. that is there within, mm. if we want to call it geek culture, geek yeah. culture, yeah. Yeah. of, like, taking things you love and, mm. and inspire, spinning off on that and yeah. writing your own views on that and like making the work more of a broader debate yeah. within the audience. Yeah. I mean, that's some of the stuff that you're bringing in. I feel like with, with a lot of the poetry yeah. projects you're doing. And what, what I love
0: about kind of geekdom <clears throat> is there's, there's kind of a, let's make stuff. There's a real creative thing. And and it feels like not just you're looking up at the creatives and going, oh, I could never do that. You look at something like fan fiction, you look at uh, yeah. YouTube for people who are making crazy Star Wars spoofs, so, like people, seem to go out and make stuff in geek culture in a way that you can really see their passion for it and understanding of of what works and it's kind of true for poetry and teaching as well when when you're so this is a poem analyze it that if you come at it from a this is a poem why is this writing good how could you do that in your writing I think there's a similar thing there yeah what do you love about it what makes it you know what's exciting about it absolutely yeah in the same way you're kind of deconstructing it to write better or make something better I think it's hard when poetry is taught as a Break it down and understand the author's intent rather than break it down and, well, why is the author doing that? Where's
1: the author coming from?
0: I think that's much more interesting.
1: So what made you interested in poetry? Like, how (laughs) how, how did you get that in in (laughs) you? So I
0: I went to to uni and I was terrified of performing, getting up in front of people. Like, that was the worst thing. I I remember being in sixth form and putting my name down to audition for a school play. And then saying, I can't, I got so nervous and so worried and uptight about it. And uh, I basically pulled out of the audition. I said, I can't actually do this because the nerves overtook me. I could barely speak kind of thing. So yeah, I was, I was terrified of performing. I liked writing in Sick form, uh, but didn't really do anything with it. And then I went to uni and in a kind of spirit of let's try stuff, you know, let's try stuff out in my first year, signed up to loads of different societies, ended up being dragged along to the drama society, which I thought was just like. The worst thing I could do. But you know, my housemate wanted to go, so I went with him. They did a twenty-four hour drama. Twenty-four hour, stayed up all night, doing playing games, writing stuff, making sketches, just whatever kind of exercises. Lots of fun, and yeah, I remember kind of doing this little sketch that we'd written five minutes ago, and a few people laughed at it, and that was just like the best feeling like having that that's proper human connection if you, you've, you've made an impact on somebody mm. if they laugh it's quite a you know it's the nicest quickest feedback you can get if somebody laughs at something you've done on stage so yeah so i kind of went whoa that's good that feels nice so i kept going back and getting a little bit into improv and writing sketches and doing kind of comedy things and then i also like the organizing stuff right there's no kind of new writing club people want to try out 10 minutes of material let's let's set up a new writing club um, so, kind of getting into that at uni, writing some writing plays, writing sketches, performing, trying to get over some of those nerves I had, and then that was fun. That was fun for three years. And it's kind of when you're at university, you have access to resources and people, right? And a little bit of money even. Yeah, you know, you could, I, I put on a you know a play for three nights because I had a room that cost me nothing because I was a student. So yeah, no, um, I did similar things. Yeah, I had a cast I... of twenty people because right. there's two hundred people in the society, and even like three hundred quid to make the show. Like that's. Well, you don't get those opportunities. No, you graduate. absolutely. I mean, I set mm. up
1: a, I set up a theatre company at uni and and did sort of a similar like sort of similar sorts mm. of things. And it was it was, yeah. The, it's been it was the only time that it's been easy yeah. to do that stuff. Yeah. It set me up a little bit. You know, I thought, oh yeah, I'll carry on doing this <laughs> yeah. after uni. And nice. guess what? It's absolutely. much harder.
0: I, I got into the rural, <laughs> I graduated and I stayed in Canterbury uh, where I studied. <laughs> and I wanted to take the play I just made, maybe to the fringe, maybe just put it on again, and it was impossible right. once I'd graduated. I was working four days a week at that point. Uh, so from a time and energy point of view, it, it was very difficult. From a getting people interested and in involved point of view, everyone's working, all this, it, right. it was impossible. If you can't pay people, yeah. it's
1: very hard to do stuff Absolutely. in the real world. Absolutely. If you can't pay people when you're a student, that's fine. Nobody wants any people money. People need the experience, yeah. <laughs> uh, and they don't, want, they don't want to be <laughs> they studying. Just yeah. don't they. they don't want some beers study- afterwards. And they
0: don't want to be studying their course. Exactly. Like, I was an, an English, an, English student. Right. I massively let my English degree kind of go to the side because I love the drama stuff. Right. Yeah, so I graduated and I still had that impulse to write and perform, but found very difficult to be able to do that I knew I didn't want to go into like stand-up it seems like a hard world and it just didn't feel like right at the time for me so I kind of rediscovered poetry as a way of being able to write something go to a night and perform it because all you need is you and a microphone and You don't even need a mic sometimes so yeah it was it, it was kind of a way back into writing and performing so I very much came to poetry from the performance side of things and I was inspired more by comedians funnily enough uh, like uh, Tim Key I really liked and right. uh, still really like I think he does really interesting stuff but obviously comes very much comedy you know, right but he him.
1: does but he explicitly does poetry
0: yeah absolutely as part of his comedy um, <laughs> I, I love and I really I got into Tim Minchin's Storm and listened to that a couple of times and so was like All right you can do more with this form than I thought you could. Right. And I didn't really know there was a whole world of spoken word or performance poetry out there. I just, I mean, I knew John Cooper Clarke a little bit. Right. Uh, but thought he was kind of an exception or... And when you, As most the, people do. Absolutely. When but he's he the only but, performance yeah. poet on, on the syllabus, you just go, oh, he's a poet who just happens to perform really well. Right. right. Didn't know there was this whole world of, of spoken word. So, yeah, I kind of got into that and then started listening to Indie Feed, a uh, really good podcast, uh, like three or four minutes, one poet usually american they feature british people as well i think it's indie feed listening to that a lot and going right there are people who are just writing poems to perform they're not even writing it for the page they're just performing these poems did not know this kind of dabbling with it on the side of my job in canterbury doing it doing it and writing back kind of looking back like stuff i don't do now and this is kind of five or six years ago so yeah, definitely stuff I don't perform now. Kind of fun, <laughs> kind of coming at it from a funny, let, let, you know, slightly geeky point of view. Uh, so not terribly different to what I write now. And then uh, apples and steaks again. This, this is why they're awesome. Came in my first like paid gig, and it was forty quid down in Whitstable. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is this is a thing. You can you can get paid to do this, even if it's like forty quid in your pocket. <laughs> uh, so I kind of looked into it a bit more and thought, well, this is this is this. Is this feasible as a job? Yeah. Is anybody else doing this? Well, if there's a professional organization for it, maybe it is. So I decided to leave the job and move back to London and go to loads of poetry nights. I mean, I was going to poetry nights from Canterbury and popping up and seeing that there was like a scene, essentially, and there were lots of people doing it. And because I was in an environment that uh, was the business side of the arts, I could see that there were freelancers making you know, a living from doing what they liked, what they loved doing. So I thought, well, maybe it's possible then. And, I, and I, was, I felt I was really fortunate. My mum lives in South East London, so I could go live there with really cheap rent while I, you know, I was, right. I was essentially, I was self employed for a year, but I was essentially unemployed for a year. No, kind sure. Of scraping, you know, a few hundred mm-hmm. quid here and there together just to make, like, I always made rent, but it was always a struggle, right? Kind of thing. But this right. is, I yeah. mean, this
1: is one of the barriers within the arts to people who don't like have those opportunities i mean i mean and you know you people uh, people like you people like me have families occasionally to fall back on get us through uh and you know people who aren't in our our position don't have that yeah
0: and i've seen it there are people i know who are really good yeah like canterbury wasn't the place to be able to make a career because right um (laughs) because well it's a place to make a career it's not a place to get good to get good, I felt I needed to go to Approach Night, you know, three or four times a week, go to the open mic, write something, it was rubbish, go learn why it was rubbish. When, when you're doing Approach Night once a month, that the process is so much slower. So, Yeah, London
1: might be oversaturated, but at the same time, the competition of it yeah. makes for yeah. improvement of Absolutely. your work, right?
0: Absolutely. I mean, my kind of training ground was Banks at the Gun. <laughs> uh, and this was, again, four years ago, where now you have to sign up like a month in advance for the open mic. You could go then and just every week go on the open mic and, and try and win the golden gun and do jaw dance and uh poetry unplugged and all the open mic nights so yeah doing those kind of relentlessly week in week out um for a few months you know it's much more than i could have done in canterbury so yeah that that massively helped improve me uh, i think uh obviously bringing an attitude of i want to get good right i'm gonna do this as a living i can't just be like i have two poems at work let's just do those forever like no <laughs> so yeah so well, that's kind of how it ended up yeah kind of kind of working been getting better and then obviously working for apples and snakes was massively useful because i got to meet a lot of people develop kind of skills from behind the scenes stuff uh, like marketing and, and reducing i suppose yeah so that that's kind of how it's worked out That's a, that's a proof pressy of my of a, of <laughs> of career, <laughs> career yeah. for five years yeah but yeah definitely the, the one like i always said if i if for some reason, I have came made a load of money from something. I don't know what it would be. I'd love to start a charity, but I think even simpler than that, what I'd love to do, I can't even buy my own house at the moment. So this is a ridiculous thing. But I'd love to like buy a nice, decent, like four or five bedroom house and just rent free or like hundred pound a month for developing artists. Right, like, that would be amazing. That would be amazing because and it would just specifically be for people who don't have. Access to somewhere like London. I mean, it doesn't have to be London. There's Ma- you know Manchester, Birmingham, wherever there's big cultural scenes. When the when you want to get better um, and make an honest go of being an artist of any kind, you need to be able to see stuff, do stuff every day every right day. and and,
1: and part know. of it is connections I mean yeah, an, an organisation that I, I've done some, some charity work with like some fundraising with and who I, I really support is Arts Emergency mm. and that's kind of what they're about is uh, uh, trying to offer the educational advantages mm. yeah. that people like you and me can come yeah. with a standard model. Yeah. And uh, one of the way. if you are interested in doing stuff and giving stuff back, you can um, sign up for their um, alternative old boys network, it's called, where you can just be oh, a, cool. a, a, for someone who's coming from university who say is looking for advice about poetry and stuff, mm. you could then mm. just go and talk to them one day. That's massive. And and yeah. like that. so, I should
0: go do that. It's, that kind of thing is really important to me. I, I come. I, mean, I went to a state grammar <laughs> school, which I, I interviewed at Oxford when I was 18 or whatever the difference between me as a state school kid and the private school kids was right. vast like they were so assured and confident and it might have been bravado it probably was like confidence yeah, is d- often
1: that's just bravado that they've learned that they've learned you absolutely have right. yeah. <laughs>
0: and like I remember the kind of our Oxford prep was a, a kind of half hour chat with one of the teachers whereas they've been prepping for Oxford Throughout Forever. their school, because yeah. that's what... and
1: Since they were born. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm kind of,
0: I, I work in private schools, I work in, um, in state schools, and that you can feel that different. I, I'm doing work with an organisation called Future First as well. It's kind of the idea of setting up an alumni network for state schools, because it's the one thing um, that private schools are really, well, one of the things that's, that private schools are really good at, people go off and do amazing careers, they do really interesting stuff, and they stay in touch with their schools. Yeah. So it obviously engenders advantages, yeah. uh, naturally, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing but it should be a thing everybody has rather than just you know certain section of society who already have those
1: well yeah and I know for myself like I mean definitely people who go to Oxford and Cambridge or people who go to 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 public schools or whatever Mm. are not by the nature of going to those places bad people they're they're very nice but certainly if I hadn't have made some friends with some people who'd been to those institutions I would have a much harder time breaking into the arts I mean and you know everybody that I know who who are my friends who did do it did have that mm. route. They all know that they were yeah. privileged, and, yeah. and and they all acknowledge that it's it's kind of wrong. Yeah. And, yeah. and and you yeah. know that's the thing. You know? look at acting school in particular. I think I mean things like
0: the visual arts or poetry, where you're kind of self-starting entirely. It's your quality of material. Yes, of course, it's the contacts you make. It's the network and, and the confidence you bring to the behind-the-scenes stuff as much as it is on stage. Um, of right. course, that's helpful if you've you've been in an environment that, that encourages that. But stuff like acting, where you know. Of course, you could be an actor and never trained in your life and get amazing jobs, but you're an exception. Whereas to go to RADA or Central or something, and the fees to go there, now, right, the money, it's, it's it means middle middle to upper class people go because they can afford it. Yeah, um, and, and then lots they of get, working class they get all the
1: good jobs on East <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah. So I mean, working class working class actors, uh, Ricky Tomlinson's a, a good example of it. You know, he 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 kind of deplores the state the lack of people coming from across the spectrum of society right. rather than just the very kind of a niche i think that happens of course in any art form but yeah particularly stuff where there's a expensive rigorous training i mean visual yeah. arts again probably actually to go to you know a proper art school not a cheap thing no lucky I, I, maybe we're lucky there's no official way to become a poet no, like, oh, Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> I there's think no poetry there is a, literally a poetry school but there's no there's no three or four year you know uh central st martin's or you know, Royal Academy or something. Yeah.
1: I mean, and also, I mean, poetry and, 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 you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of examples of this in other art forms is also a place as much as any, anything's hard to break into Mm. because of these kinds of systems that we're talking about. It's also that when you do have something unique, a unique voice, because of the fact that you are not part of that (laughs) network, you, you can often really benefit from that unique voice. Once you get into enough of the spotlight to be, to be picked up on. I mean, I think, yeah, Poetry is definitely a, a community that I feel like different voices are really appreciated as yeah. much as they are also you know hard to find as as, yeah. as much as they are anywhere. Yeah, I mean, and that broader that broader picture of the arts there's yeah. all of these different things that flow together is, mm. is as as I've sort of alluded to before something I feel like you do a lot in, in your work. Mm. Now you're sort of in a, again, you're you're sort of straddling, not just spoken word now. I mean, you do a night yeah. called Stand Up and Slam, which yeah. is poets versus comedians, which yeah. I, I bloody love that <laughs> night. It's a lot of fun. It is great. Yeah. And you do uh, Never Mind the Full Stops, yeah. which is like a, a, a a panel show for yeah. a spoken word. Yeah. I mean you you sort of mix you, you're interested in mixing yeah. up genres and Very and, much and, so. And yeah. I think it kinda
0: of goes back to the prejudices you sometimes get with poetry or the slam poet, you know, that's another one, the, the kind of classic Cliche slam poem.
1: Yeah, I yeah, like, you do, and you do that the, the, the anti slam, where you basically, <laughs> basically rip, rip that, the yeah, shit out of those <laughs> yeah. and, watch, what, and that was my favorite. <laughs> In actually. A very loving way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was one of my favorite things mm. this year at Edinburgh. Was seeing all of these really yeah. super talented poets yep. go up and do parodies yep. of poets, yep. and it was like, I mean, Faye. <laughs> Faye Roberts, who who won it, that is one of the best anti slam poems I've ever seen. It was, was so amazing. funny. It was so funny. And yeah. I mean, you know, it was it was a hard call because I, there were a lot of really mm. funny performances mm. that night. But I think yeah. the best uh, the best parody won that night. Yeah, yeah.
0: I think yeah. It's it's. There's def- there's there's a personal thing I suppose, and there's also a public thing to to work in kind of cross art form ways and trying to broaden interest in it. I, the personal thing is it's what I want to do. I, I think spoken word lends itself to theatre and music and comedy. Uh, very readily, very easily. And again, it's the categorisation thing. I mean, the categories exist for programming and for brochures. Of course, people do stand up as part of their their poetry set and it, it's just a natural extension and a lot of people are working in these ways already. And yeah, it's definitely something I, I'm, I'm interested in kind of doing more of these days as well. I think there's things you can do in shows that are spoken word and poetry based that you probably can't do in theatre shows and there's things you can do in theatre shows you can't necessarily do in a poem. I think a poem is very much like me talking to you, whereas theatre can be... I'm not. There's the fourth wall kind right, of gone up. Right, So it's kind of, what are you trying to say and in what, in what way? So that's a personal thing, I suppose. And then, the, yeah, the public thing of showing people that poetry isn't, uh, and by people I mean people who don't necessarily engage with it to begin with. The poetry can be very silly and take the piss out of itself and be exactly what you think it isn't. Yeah. you know, I mean, I think That's
1: really important. That's really one of the important. strengths of the anti-slam, mm. I think, is that if you come along and you have no knowledge yeah. of poetry, you come along to that yeah. night, you actually leave, even though the whole hour or whatever has been uh, <laughs> taking the piss out of poetry, yeah. you, you leave actually loving poetry. I think so. And, yeah, <laughs> it's it, so it, swift, it,
0: it, It's true. true, and we get those comments. Like... It, people come up and we always ask who's been to a slam before and there's always a good proportion of the audience who have never been to a poetry slam or never been to a poetry night but they get that the people on stage are brilliant at what they do but they're so brilliant they're able to ridicule it right? and I think that an art form can only be strong when you satirise it and yeah. parody
1: it. I mean, it's um, a little bit like yeah. singing badly, right? If, you, if, if you're going to sing badly, often you have to be a really good singer yeah. to be able to pitch yeah. those notes out of tune because most of us haven't got the control like the last, to the make, last, make, last, make it
0: deliberate. The last um, note of uh, that Grease song <laughs> that right. is intentionally terrible. It's like, ah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's true. And, and so
1: I think that's the thing with, with mm. the anti-slam is it's mm. like, in, in order to really precisely uh, satirise and uh, mock poetry you have yeah. to be a really brilliant poet and yeah. you, you guys get the the best on your lineup.
0: we're so. quite yeah we're quite lucky we're, we're just programming the uh the anti-valentine's annual show at hackney attic uh, <laughs> at the moment so yeah there's gonna be even even more well yeah it, it's it's a really strong format and you know credit to paula really for coming up with it and she brought me on uh to get involved with it a couple of years ago
1: yeah, um, and Paula, yeah. who's your mm. co- collaborator, who you've just sort of set up yeah. in sort of a, a, a shop with, I guess.
0: Yeah, so Varjak and Simpson, new, I guess, production. We call ourselves producers, uh, although we inevitably end up hosting and performing right. uh, and do, uh, being involved in the show as well. Uh, yeah, so we've been working together for a couple of years, and it's been really nice. I think it's... I found this bright sketches at uni, actually, as well. Finding chemistry with somebody, just natural chemistry... It's it's rare. It's quite hard, Mm -hmm. actually. I I worked with Paul Sweeney for the for stand up and slam. We co hosted that, and I think weirdly because we're both really similar, there was almost no. We obviously we got on and we we were fine on stage, but we had to work on what our dynamic was.
1: Well, that's really interesting. Because from the audience point of view, you had it right, but but it's interesting you had to find it. It didn't
0: feel natural. It didn't feel natural in the same way uh, that I, I had a comedy writing partner in university, and we just. Rift off each other and it was just flowed without any effort. Uh, same with Paula really when we both like we hadn't really worked together before when we first hosted the anti-slam a couple of years ago. But it just worked. It was just lovely. And we've we've never had to sit down and go, right, how do we host together? Like, yeah. and really go, okay, I say this, you say this. With, with Paul we almost were scripted. Whereas with Paula it's much more natural, which is brilliant. So yeah, so it's uh, it's quite a good, it's it's a brilliant thing to be able to find that, and particularly in something like poetry, which is very solo. Yeah, um, there's not too many team sort of slams slams going around. I know Hammer and Tongue are doing it a bit more. Then yeah. you
1: and you and Paula also both share certain sensibilities of yes. of, of sort of stepping across a, a number of genres. Yeah. Like yeah, she absolutely. also has a, a big big theatre influence and and, and, and comedy yeah. influence and music influence yeah. like singing, I think. Absolutely. Is, You've got to, it's all coming through with her like, stuff.
0: It's like any relationship. Um, it's kind of finding the, you know, having areas of overlap and commonality um, but then being different. You have to yeah. have enough difference to, right. to make it kind of have some spark and disagreement. Yeah. You've got to disagree yeah, yeah, yeah. but be able to resolve those and compromise or not or see where the other person is coming from. It's yeah, that, that's, that's the kind of, if, if both of you are on the same page for things, it might mean you're agreeing on things that are bad Right, right,
1: (laughs) right. It's a self-fulfilling circle, and you just go keep going down it until it's terrible. I've I've been, (laughs) I've been in collaborations like that before. Yeah, it's great what you and Paul have. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean. One of the things that being in your flat makes me aware mm. of this, as well as, as well as some of your work, is that, you know, that geek, uh, yeah. geek culture thing that you've got uh, going on in, in terms of influences. Before we sort of started, one of the things we were talking about was was gaming. I yeah. mean, is that something that you've done for a long time? No, it, uh,
0: the, again, uh, and it uh, almost comes back to the Orange Ghosts thing. So one of the big through lines of Orange Ghosts was accepting yourself for who you are. That's a classic thing we all need to do. And for me, that yeah. was the, the geekdom. <laughs> And one of the stories I tell in there is like secretly recording things like Star Trek and then watching them. And if anybody came in the room, kind of stopping it and pretending right. watching something else, like it's this illicit, terrible yeah, thing I'm doing.
1: It, it, I mean, the metaphor that you use in the poem is like as if it's porn, yeah, but it's yeah, actually Star Wars, and, then yeah. Then, yeah, and that's yeah, it's great. Um, yeah,
0: so it's kind of and it's, it's just such a ridiculous thing looking back. And I, I experienced it even through university. Kind of, a, and it's not cool to be a geek, and you know I don't want to embrace that side of me, even though I love these things, even though I love gaming and RPGing and reading sci-fi and watching sci-fi, and yeah, it, and it's it's just such a ridiculous thing you do. You deny yourself the thing you like and the thing, the thing you want to pursue and do and be, because of other people's. Or your perception of what other people right. think. And of course, when you, get, when, when you turn into an adult at some point, uh, or, or turn more into an adult maybe, you realise that there are, there are millions of people who also like what you like, whatever that is. And you just got to find them, and they will be the ones who accept you. And if anybody doesn't accept you for that, or to be honest, probably it's it, for some things it's probably only in your head. Yeah. And people don't care. Or, or they're interested, or they're like, oh, that's just a thing you like, it's fine. So yeah, for the geekdom thing, yeah, last few I've I've massively expanded my geek credentials in the last few years by getting into things like like board games. That's what my coffee table is just full of now, these weird <laughs> uh, abstract board games. And that was a big thing I got into. Graphic novels and comics I'm just getting into a bit. Oh, good. Um, I'm we, I'm into them. Yeah, it took me a lot it took me a while to go. Where do you even start? I think there's a, an access thing as well, particularly with graphic novels when you walk around that bottom store of Forbidden Planet, the bottom level where do you start with
1: graphic novels um yeah so the, right because there's so yeah. many different kinds and everybody exactly. thinks that, that, mm. that it's one idea of like superheroes and that's it yeah, and por- that's really not poetry
0: and geek geekdom both have uh kind of yeah the prejudices <laughs> gaming gaming in particular does as well kind of people think gaming is who aren't into it already think maybe gaming is call of duty and ultra violent kind of grand theft auto style stuff and it's not, of course, it's not. Maybe on some level they know it's not. Just like poetry isn't self-indulgent tree metaphors. Um, of course, on some level they know yeah. it probably isn't just that, but they haven't really
1: explored it or looked but those, into it. But I mean, but it's but both those things are more complicated than that because obviously a part of poetry is self-indulgent yeah. tree metaphors, and of course and a, a part, part of, of gaming is is, is called yeah. well, is Gamergate. I mean, yeah. a part. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. this is the complicated thing about. I mean, I am someone who is broadly within that geekdom mm. sphere. I mean, I'm not so into gaming, but I was always I was I was into fantasy. To see books when I was growing yeah, up, yeah. and science fiction, and and graphic novels, and all of those sorts of things. So in those respects, I'm very firmly in the geek mm. category, and I, I identify as that. I guess I mean I, I'm not ashamed of that. Yeah. Uh, and then of late, uh, it becomes a more complicated thing because suddenly yeah. these people who've been, um, I think, in some ways, although nowhere near as much as other groups, marginalised in yeah. their school years, yes. uh, have become defensive Mm. obnoxious and ultimately terrible Um, people uh, but they're not the entire group and of course course, gaming is a a massively diverse group of people currently represented by uh, some terrible really <laughs> yeah. undiverse yeah. kind of voices I mean, my nan's a gamer right she's, Right. She's, she,
0: she, we're always on Words With Friends like, right. come, and she plays all she's constantly inviting me to stuff on Facebook like, she, she's a gamer
1: well she yeah was, more, more women I mean statistically yeah. more women play games I think at the moment absolutely. than men because of the fact that games is a wider yeah. category yeah. than just Call of Duty <laughs> absolutely yeah
0: I, I've, I've followed the Gamergate stuff and it's uh, very
1: oh, uh, very arm's
0: length it's I don't know. I mean yeah I think I, it's a it's a narrative thing that, that video game companies have also told people. I think maybe more of a geekdom thing. Geek, I think geek culture is interesting. So there's, there's so much in diversity and embracing of diversity and acceptance, but there's this other weird strand of entitlement right. um, that runs right. through it. Like if uh, and I think it's the thing with the rise of the internet and the kind of power that geeks have essentially got. Like you know, you can make a website in your bedroom and become a multi billionaire. Yeah. Uh, kind of Mark Zuckerberg yeah. style
1: and you walk around the world with that kind of money yeah. that kind of influence but in your head you're still this 12 year old boy it's that everybody hates yeah. right? it's, I, 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 <laughs> and I'm not it's, defending no, that fascinating, like,
0: I think I hope right. it's getting better you're going to schools and it's just because maybe the rise of the kind of superhero movie things like everybody goes to see The
1: Hobbit not just people who like fantasy right um, it's definitely got a hell of a lot cooler to like uh, yeah. Tolkien than it was when yeah, I was reading exactly. The Lord of the Rings 16 um, times yeah and um, <laughs> right. reboots of Star Trek <laughs>
0: And, and reboots of superhero films. So yeah, I, I, uh, you go into schools and like these are just cool things. Everybody likes them. And uh, yeah, I mean it's interesting. Uh, I, I mean I think it would be easier to be in school now and like I don't know. It's really hard to generalise. Actually, I, I don't want to say that. Yeah, because we don't know what it's no, like to be in school no, now. We don't. I have and, a and perception it's... of it from delivering workshops. But
1: well, well, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean whatever we whatever we chose to get into at school now would probably not be the cool thing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah
0: so, true, <laughs> so true. So true. So <laughs> true. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. Yeah, except in the kind of geekiness of myself was a big thing. And it felt like a big thing in terms of yeah. gaining maturity and a ridiculous thing to kind of have to overcome. And it sounds so stupid, yeah. uh superficially, but of course these are you know, these are your own feelings and, and emotions. So it's not as it's not as uh superficial when it's you. Yeah. Um right. but now, yeah, it, it just it's yeah, finding happiness. That was the point of the Orange Ghost show. Uh and for me finding happiness was Part, one of the things was very much just accepting myself and liking, and going, yeah, I'm I'm just reading a graphic novel very publicly now. This is fine. Like if somebody if somebody has a. A judgment about that—that's
1: kind of their problem,
0: right? And it's such a such a simple thing, but such a, a kind of big thing.
1: And that's true. I think mm. that's tr- tr- truly being liberated from those like those yeah. feelings of of, of of teens. Like, I think yeah. that that's the healthier way to go, where you go right. This is me. If anyone has a problem with it, yeah, that's that's fine. Yeah, and the unhealthy way is where you go. This is me. You're all wrong. You're wrong. You're oh, wrong. You're wrong. Yeah, You're wrong. And yeah, that's the thing. Like yeah, yeah, I yeah. think that that many that as geekdom has become more acceptable, mm. weirdly, it's it's gated. It's, it's become yeah, more gated. it's, it's but, gone into uh, this strange double gend- often genders. World. You, read, yeah.
0: you read the kind of fake geek girl thing, and you and like you're not really a geek or you're wearing a costume but you don't really know about it and it's yeah just, and I hate that just, stuff oh, because as, as a geek that's growing so up I
1: wish that I had known more geek girls <laughs> not not that they I wouldn't I don't think that it's it's like those <laughs> I don't, if I'd have been growing up and realised mm. I'm sure they were there and that's yeah. part of my own pri- pri- yeah. privilege and, yeah. and at any time we're not noticing that properly mm. but if I'd have grown up uh, knowing that there were girls who were like me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, I think that would have been great there's, there's I wouldn't have Told them they weren't allowed in the club. No, no.
0: it's yeah. There's a. Uh, I, I don't. I, uh, yeah, it's it's a massively messy what, community um, uh, um, but think,
1: and or world.
0: And I am only just kind of figuring that out. But the I,
1: way we yeah. make it better is to be good examples of it. Totally. I feel like, yeah. and I think you and hope your work so. is a, is 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 consistently a good example. I'd from hope my point so. of view. I'd hope, I'd I don't hope expect so. you yeah. to, to fully like, <laughs> stand behind that compliment. But yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I,
0: yeah, I think uh, I think it, coming programming a lot of shows. I'm I'm I, I'm always very aware of trying to be diverse in programming, right. not just for the sake of it, but because it it, uh, it makes for ma- better stuff. It right? Makes for better stuff, absolutely, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, that that's a that's a thing. I'm really I try to do my best at in terms of um, getting a variety of voices in to what are quite mainstream shows usually. Yeah, it's it's difficult because not, I always find this there's, there's this weird tension of I want people who are a general audience who maybe don't think poetry is the best thing or the thing for them. So I want to give them stuff that they can easily access, kind of uh, mark wrist free, really funny, accessible, good stuff. You also want to show them the stuff that's more challenging, and yeah. that might come from more marginalized voices. But at the same time, you don't alienate them. There's this constant tension, particularly when you're making quite... Yeah, shows that you just want anybody to come to, not just necessarily a poetry or an existing poetry audience. Yeah, it's a it's a fun tension. <laughs> it's a fun, uh, yeah, it's a fun thing to talk. This is why it's good to collaborate with people and and kind of, yeah, not just come at it from not your be on, own not mindset. be
1: on your own when you're making those calls. I, I definitely find having yeah. a team around me helps, and and, yeah. and I'm sure it's a similar thing yeah. with your collaborations. Yeah, absolutely. One of the th- things we were we were sort of talking mm. about um, before we started was that you're kind of you're people are more aware of you in some ways as a, as a maker of mm. of, of shows uh, than as a, as a writer of, of new, new material. And you were talking about, about how you have yeah. recently been uh, working on some climate change poems, which yeah. was a surprise actually to me because <laughs> uh, it doesn't, mm. it, 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 I'm not saying it's off brand completely, but, <laughs> but it, but it doesn't at the moment with what I've seen of your sure. work, it doesn't cross over with that. So that, yeah,
0: there's, there's, there's lots of stuff I think you do as a freelancer that, that, isn't necessarily public sort of public facing as it were but yeah writing commissions is kind of one of them um because i, I think everything i'm doing is coming from a from the page initially of course as well you know i've written a poem and now i need to turn it to performance or well, i've written this specifically for performance but yeah writing just for something that's not going to be performed and that that this t- tipping point weatherfronts commission is one of them um so i've written three digital poems they kind of all they're kind of kinetic they move on the on the screen so one of them the words start disappearing as you're reading so the poem loses kind of it gets fragmented one of the poems kind of disappears from the right hand side and entirely goes so you again you can't read the whole thing and then the other one is uh, random words appear in the poem to destroy a sense so these are all kind of for me ways to kind of make a poem physical and show the kind of physical Aspects of climate change, right? Um, so the poem becomes corrupted by adding words that don't make sense, and the poem is disappearing from the right-hand side, like kind of ice shelves are receding. Yeah, so I, I think commissioning side of stuff is is so often for a smaller audience, I suppose, or, or or a specific project. Same for the kind of Canterbury Roman Museum project. I was writing poems along this walk from London to Canterbury. I really like doing it. I find it. I found it quite a struggle when translating. The stuff I perform into the book, and uh, my first book came out in last August, which was terrifying, uh, amazing, but <laughs> terrifying at the same time. Coming from a very much a performance background, I've written all these poems to go on stage. Nobody reads them. To then translate those to a thing that works on the page as well, it was quite yeah. It was <laughs> it was a great thing to do, but also a really scary thing to do. When I, well, I sent off, I sent off all the poems to Clive from Burning Eye Books, who is amazing. Go look up Burning Eye Books. And he sent me back like the first draft of the book as it would look and I, I kind of opened it and had to literally walk away from the computer, I had this really weird physical reaction to going, ah, oh, this is a real thing now yeah, so writing for the pages is, is, it feels like a very different thing but it's something I'm doing a bit more I think and I, I like doing, it kind of goes up completely against the grain of make stuff for, for performance and make yeah. stuff for public
1: in a way but it's all, I mean, also, sort of, and that's another... I mean, when you're talking about those those climate mm. change poems, which I really, really like those ideas, by the way. I really like the that's idea really. of, 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 the of, of poems yeah. that, that do that. That sort of also rings bells with me about, like, your your work more broadly. Like, mm. I think... One of the things I enjoy about what you do is you kind of have a conceptual approach quite often. Yeah, so yeah, when yeah. you when I remember sort of seeing you um, in uh, when I came to see stand up and slam, mm. you had like physical representations of certain kinds of poems. So you had like a really yeah. a poem that got. The page got bigger yeah, and bigger became, and bigger yeah. and bigger yeah, yeah, yeah. in your hands and like that sort of thing, which I thought, yeah, this is this is <laughs> this is good, and I like the, my
0: calling as a conceptual artist, right? And
1: too. the visual, the visual, <laughs> the visual language of that show in terms of yeah. publicity was very much in terms mm. of like you're holding a thing, a book with poems <laughs> yeah. on, and he's yeah. doing a comic, You know, it yeah. was, it, it, you know, it was very conceptual, mm. and um, and I, I think that brings a kind of other mm. dimensions to. So it's not just. Speech. It's not just yeah. words. Yeah. It's 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 also concepts. Yeah, mm. and, and that's mm. that's great to see. It's
0: yeah. i I've, I've been thinking about method a bit recently. I don't go to too much into the how do you write, who, how do you make as an artist type of stuff. But I, I, I'm quite broad and big picture in my thinking for lots of stuff. I find it quite hard to focus sometimes on. Details. Hmm. I always refer to Myers Briggs, and do you know the Myers Briggs personality type? But uh, not, there's lots. Of, I, I lots, am familiar lots, with sure. it. There's lots of kind of take the answer these three questions, and you'll have your type on Facebook, and they're very
1: limited. I think there's um, something in Myers Briggs. I definitely do. Yeah,
0: I like it, and I, I I did it originally with a licensed practitioner of it who's done the, right. the training and, and is my a friend does that too, sort of yeah. yeah, amazing. So there's kind of when you have that kind of more in depth. Uh, understanding its limitations and stuff is really good so when we did that we came out that I was really big picture thinking which is weird when you think about poetry which is quite about details and is about moments a lot of the time and I found it easier to describe big stuff in a very general sense, academic, detached kind of sense than I did in an emotional here is the nitty gritty sense right. which again is kind of, I found a weird thing to then get into poetry about because poetry is quite, it's, it, or supposed to be or can be personal and emotional and all that stuff um so i found that really interesting and yeah so i think i, I find concepts easier almost than details sometimes and i think that does kind of come out in my work a bit in ter- yeah in terms of the I, I kind of i almost see sometimes i see poems as a problem to be solved like how could i convey this yeah so i'll try that approach as well like right, a mathematical right, well. equation yeah because i mean bit. that's a kind yeah. of element towards your well, breaking, yeah really. more like I know there is a way to do this. I don't know quite what that is yet. Let's try that. Mm, not quite right. Let's try it with this variant. That kind of works. Okay, maybe if I try this, a completely different approach. And I don't know if that's a common thing. Maybe that is. Maybe that's how a lot of people create. Well, I think yeah. there's
1: a strand of that within the arts. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. with, with, all, with, with the Myers-Briggs test, for example, mm. I think that all the different mm. outcomes of that test will you'll find them somewhere in the arts yes like absolutely and, and that's yeah. what makes the arts a strong scene hopefully yeah. is that if you have all of these different perspectives coming in mm. and and somebody who mm. approaches a poem uh, as a as a code to break yeah. is, a, is an excellent thing to have within, within so the a, person who scene. goes
0: here is an outpouring of my emotion right. that i then need to edit back right Right, and both yeah, of them or, or even absolutely. someone who
1: is is just those rare and mm. and great people who who ha- who can't have the perspective that mm. we're talking about but somehow manage in their outpouring of emotions mm. to hit it right yeah, yeah, straight yeah. away Absolutely. those frustrating people <laughs> who rarely <laughs> rarely exist do Absolutely. sometimes yeah. yeah
0: and that is it's good to i think it's really good to be aware of these things particularly when teaching and, and running workshops because that's how kids approach it of course they all have their own different approaches and education doesn't work as one model fits all it really doesn't know you need, to give, really that, you need to give that you need to give that kid 10 minutes to chat to his friends right out how he's doing his poem compared to that other kid who's going to just straight away write start writing and that's what that's why i love coming into schools as as a as a uh, as a workshop leader right. rather than a teacher right teachers have to engage 30 kids every day in the and of course they do varied learning and that's really encouraged i, I when i go and uh, sit in staff rooms and stuff and you hear teachers talking they talk about how they're presenting their information and you know they need to go present it verbally as well as visually as because yeah. you know, people yeah, yeah. learn and look differently. And it's brilliant. It's being put into practice. And yeah, it, it, it's amazing though when you do that. When you come into schools and you get the one kid who just goes, done, five minutes later and they've written something pretty damn good and the other mm-hmm. kid is still sitting there looking at the wall going, oh, sure. And then they chat to you and they, they go, okay, just write that. And there's, and, a, there's, uh, there's a
1: strange bias in society as well, mm. I feel like, uh, towards the people who do it. Like without any work, yeah. it's a it's a funny it's a funny thing that almost we 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 want to believe even if they aren't we yeah. want to believe all of our great artists are somehow kind of coming up a bit naturally. It. um yeah. and and some of them are. Yes. but 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 that doesn't make their work any more valid than the the person whose first draft was Absolutely. terrible, but their last draft is amazing. Absolutely, um, I mean, and, and nor should we prize them necessarily no. more than the first time outpouring type uh, people. And, it's and it's and of it's, course yeah.
0: you, you know because. Like anything that's public, that's facing the public, you know, is going to be usually is going to be your best stuff. So it looks that effortless. Well, that's an amazing three-minute poem, but of course you don't see the the terrible ten three-minute poems that have been put in the bin. So yeah, I, it does. it I think that's one of the things is to make it look, making it look effortless is a is a classic artistic thing to do. You know, any kind of public presentation looks
1: like that. Or can, can well, yeah, do. Can I, do. I tend to try. My, really? my, my public presentations tend to make things look effortful. I think <laughs> in the, in the, that's the. I, I guess my, my stick on stage, or even just yeah. my actual personality, is is, is about neurosis more, and awkwardness. Something, about more There's something more honest about that, though. Probably. Well, it's it's. I mean, honesty's. I guess the yeah. the area that I that I work in, as much as it's a problematic concept. Yeah. In itself, like the idea of in- authenticity or honesty uh, are themselves <sighs> a little bit whole, problematic. There's a but-
0: whole talk about poetry voice at the moment <clears> that seems to be going around again uh, and about kind of artificial inflection of, of emotion. Right. And it almost feels more dishonest because you're. it's, it's this weird thing. It's, again, it comes into, it touches on the acting thing again. You watch an actor and you go, "That's an amazing performance. It's so honest," but they're clearly faking the whole thing. That's right. what acting is. Uh, you know, as method as they might be, they're not. They're choosing to, to feel that at that moment yeah. because that's what the role requires. And we're doing similar stuff in poetry and storytelling. Yeah, it's it's you're trying to say something honest, but you know it's a performance. Yeah, ah, I mean I that's Williams, it, and and
1: Williams. and it's weird because he you know on stage what I've been working on and what I think I'm getting better at and getting kind of a little bit known for I guess mm. weirdly is this kind of idea of just being an awkward person but being comfortable with that like yeah. giving the audience permission to be awkward but then you like get too comfortable awkward. it's like right. they have to fake your awkwardness right. well, that's, that's, your that's thing. the question when does it when does it become a performance and when <laughs> yeah. does it I mean who who cares to a certain extent that's as true. long as it we're, feels no, to Dave, it. we're the only ones who care right. because we're the creators right.
0: A general audience don't really care they just want to see something that they like and that all challenges them or moves them, like they're not thinking is he really nervous? They right. probably just enjoy it they don't I mean what I, what
1: I sort of seek mm. to do is have that kind of, have a connection with the audience, have a genuine mm. kind of as much as you can, yeah. connection between them and me and just show me as much as possible yeah. and then because I mean, I guess it's almost a weird kind of catharsis for my teenage years of like, yeah. let's let's be in situations where rooms full of people like me being awkward <laughs> and, and, and and confusing and, and, and neurotic, yeah. you know, yeah. um, and it you know it's it, it's working out all right for the minute. <laughs>
0: Excellent.
1: But I mean, that's the yeah, but that's yeah. the thing. Like, I think there's rooming within the arts for all of these different. Yeah personality types Absolutely. um but I'm I'm fascinated in people's process I am fascinated in mm. in what personality types different different artists think they are and or, yeah. are, or whatever those you know whatever yeah. It is. yeah yeah uh,
0: I think it's um it's kind of important stuff to think about as well particularly again particularly in an education kind of setting it's easy to it's kind of yeah it's easy to assume everybody's a bit like you right and that's just I think a natural human thing and then actually, when you when you boil it down, you look at people and and how they how they do respond. That'd, that'd be quite a fun thing to do. Get ten or uh, twenty very different poets, give them the same brief, sit them in a room for twelve hours or for eight hours. Yes, see how they each respond. See who wanders out the rooms, have a quick wander around the, the who goes out for two hours and eats and looks at the world. Who just goes right? here's ten ideas I've just bashed out. I'll work right. on them later. Who just starts with one? Like I'm sure there will be all these approaches. That'd be really interesting. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And and when you're talking about from an education point mm. of view as well, like I think that's one of the things. I mean, and and again, education ed, educators like artists mm. aren't a unified mass no. either. No. There is some value to educators who teach you how to do exactly what they do. That's true. That's um, true. That can be useful. It's the weird thing when you
0: run, a <clears throat> when you run poetry workshops with adults, actually, like they're like, "Oh, how do you make a poem?" It's like, well, that's there is yeah. no answer. There are right. there are. As there are as many approaches as there are poets. Right, you know, you've got to find the approach that works for you. That's that's, a, a, and weirdly, that almost ties links into the whole geekdom thing. It's the acceptance of who you are and how you work. I remember ah oh, when I first started writing poetry, I'd load up a, I wouldn't load up Word because that had like spell check and grammar on it. So I'd load up Notepad, and I felt like it was really honest to write on notepad because (laughs) and and i know people who who have said you know i I don't think writing on the computer is honest is honest and because you can correct it and for me actually i need to be able to edit on the fly that's how i write you know i write something go no i need to change that word i'll change that let's move that actually this bit comes first i need to be able to do that on the fly so the first draft is almost like a third or fourth draft i've edited as i've gone along whereas some people they need to write out the whole thing and go no this isn't very good let's cross that and yeah, but but when people have a, cons- a, a conception about what they think creativity is, that's actually a weird barrier to break down as well sometimes. Again, it comes sometimes comes through school like the right and wrong answer to something. There is no right or wrong answer when right. you're drafting something. It's and, stuff.
1: And I've I mean I've had that like mm. when I went to I went to university in Lancaster and I studied theatre studies and creative mm. writing. Mm. And uh I found the creative writing classes hard because mm. uh and the theatre theatre class is hard. It, for the same reason, in that what I wanted was for uh, the educators to be helping me to do what I wanted to do, right. but better. Yeah. Like to, how to make my stuff better. Yeah. And what I was finding is they were wanting me to do what how they, they did it, do. yeah. But, you know, and, and so it was, that was an interesting, uh, conflict within that educational dynamic. Absolutely. Whereas I, I definitely know people who've got a lot of value for like mm. an apprenticeship type. Yeah. Uh, I will follow you, the master, and learn how, <laughs> learn how you do everything. Yeah. And then, and then sure, they can, they yeah. can mix that, they can take that in their own direction. Yeah. And and for some people that works and some people you just, just doesn't. Yeah. You steal
0: the bits of method from anybody right. that, that you think that works for you, you know, whether... whether
1: right, and I'd be yeah. lying to say that those three years I didn't learn loads of really useful things even if i learned them partly in opposition even if yeah. if it was partly a reaction to what mm. i was experiencing mm. that's still still a learning educational experience yeah i yeah. mean it's just where where i feel is the the area we need to be the most cautious and i guess it's it is in schools before mm. people have got like the ability to say no yeah. i'm not interested yeah. i'm going to do my own thing anyway yeah. like when they're yeah. still forming is where we need to be kind of maybe as open yeah. as possible
0: I, I think this um <laughs> it's weird that, like I know that I know there'd be people who wouldn't at all analyse their method
1: yeah like they just oh, do definitely. it they
0: just do it but that's again that's almost a personality type thing of yeah questioning i've done questions. conversations with people I've,
1: I've, some some of the, the few times when uh these conversations where my guests have got defensive are often right. when i'm asking them about their creative process wow. particularly musicians musicians okay. I, I tend to find and this is a generalization sure. and there will be loads of different <laughs> yeah. difference within that group but a lot of the time sort of songwriters they they, they feel like they're kind of communing with a muse that comes right. into them and to, to analyze sure. it, it's like to you know, it, yeah. yeah. It, that how yeah, yeah, it, you yeah. defeat it and uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's that's fine yeah. if it works, which is fine um, making yeah. good stuff yeah. um, but, it's it's when t- but when they're not making good stuff or, yeah, yeah it, oh it, of course it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a terrible trap to fall into yeah <sighs> absolutely
0: and, and yeah the, the the whole romantic notion of you know you walk on the moors and down, and through the downs and inspiration strikes you and you write right four verses of beautiful of, of beautiful uh, imagery and it's done like that, that that might exist for a very small percentage of people,
1: or even for you for one day of your life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like I've yeah, definitely absolutely. had, uh, you yeah. know, and it's frustrating sometimes. As a songwriter, mm. um, I've written songs that have just come out fully formed and have been good, mm. and then I've written other songs where I've you know spent years of my life yeah. trying to get them to be yeah. right, and it's frustrating that the yeah. one day one sometimes is better than the years of my life. Absolutely, one, <laughs> and you know
0: that you know there's a really good thing in that thing you've been working on forever, but you just can't get it um yeah. and you maybe never will Yeah, it's it's a it's a weird thing. I I find it fascinating and I love hearing about it and I but I completely understand why people just don't want to look at how they make I completely get that as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I think that there's there's room for all of us. Yeah. It's it's when we all start telling each other how to do it. Oh, that's, totally. that's that's where we all make mis- and and we all yeah. make that mistake. Yeah. You know? I'm saying this now like I believe in this, sure. but and I do, but yeah. there'll be times where I will forget that in yeah. my in my discussions with my fellow artists yeah this is my, this is my
0: work again working when you get kids out of a classroom particularly and they're in a more casual kind of or non-formal setting you really see that come out like you'll, you'll see the kids who you give them the t- prompt and they'll just go and you'll see the kids who then make a word bank and go there's some ideas to draw on and yeah it, it's it's brilliant you can literally see that method playing out when you have those 30 kids in front of you or 20 kids in front of you yeah yeah uh, and then the kids who really struggle and they don't know how to pr- even approach this creative exercise. Right. And you can maybe say, try the Word Bank thing. Nor really you working. Okay, try this uh, other direction. Uh, just try writing the first line. Just, okay, literally just tell me what you're thinking. Right. Now write that down. Or I'll write that down for you. Keep de- Keep going. Yeah. Yeah, it, I mean,
1: I've done, and I've done things a little yeah. bit like that here and there. Um, I did some work with the Ministry of Stories. In, <laughs> the and Ministry of Stories. And, yeah, day, yeah. And and we made a, a CBB's radio series cool. with them. Um, and yeah, that was a similar thing. Like uh, you know, you would some of the children would get it straight away, and other ones wouldn't. But but yeah. but when you got them, whoever they were, to whatever level yeah, that they yeah, were at, yeah. like even if you just got them from from not writing a thing to writing a sentence, sure. you know, it's, it's it's a great thing yeah. to see. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: So yeah, I mean, it's been a r- real. Pleasure getting better acquainted with you. And actually, I should say this isn't the first time you've been on the show because there was a, a, uh, a, a yeah. you, you, you're you one of the people who've had a kind of odd cameo experience sure. yeah. with the show in that one when you were flyering the, <laughs> Edinburgh so amazingly, you were just walking down the Royal Mile one day and uh, became a part of a podcast I was yeah. recording live with Richard. Tyrone James yeah. in the SoundCloud tent or whatever it was mm. uh, uh, which I, I, I always feel like I felt, <laughs> felt really sorry for you because you, sort of, you came into it and I you walked like, into a, into a question time play. scenario here's an like... opportunity to, to yeah exactly exactly here's yeah. an opportunity to, um, to do a bit more promotion and then oh <laughs> Richard's talking about a really Quite controversial show yeah, sure. and here I am on that show <laughs> and is this a good thing for me is this a bad thing for me I don't know yeah I, that was funny you, you dealt with it well I thought thank you you, you know but I uh, yeah, it was a. Yeah, I I wouldn't necessarily have uh, of of uh, <laughs> have invited you in if I'd have known fully where. Yeah, it was one of those um,
0: <laughs> one of those things you want to do some hard thinking about before you come in with and, and right and, and uh, engage with a kind of topic, which I think is is an interesting thing. It doesn't always. I I kind of feel quite ret- like there's a particular like, things like the Paris shooting at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I just That is what my Facebook feed is full of. My Twitter right. feed is full of opinions, right. thoughts. And I, I love reading them. I never feel qualified or able to say what I think often because I don't quite know. And it, it's kind of easy to weigh in sometimes without thinking. Thinking, ah, thinking what you've... Ah, it's tough. It's really yeah. tough. I don't even know what I'm trying to say really.
1: Well, I think this is a strange thing as well. as if, if you yeah. haven't quite decided what you think and, and mm. especially with that that was really awkward because you hadn't seen the show no, of so I knew what I thought of the show sure. yeah, yeah, Richard obviously knew what he thought of the show because he made it um, yeah. but you were sort of like in this position where two people are talking about something that you haven't yeah. seen and it's a controversial topic and you you just by sitting there you can almost feel implicated sure. in a way that you're not actually yeah. but you may be perceived yeah. to be so you're right to be worried well, that, about that, that. So so I also get kind of overly worried about
0: the not saying anything because you feel right. implicated in something because you're not yes Exactly an right, and I think that's part and again that's partly the the social media the, the, the constant social media thing we're all on now um, by not saying anything you feel like am I implicit in something else right. am, I, am I not showing I don't care enough and right what, but it would never have been a problem 10 years ago right you, know, you just you would have had your thoughts you would chat to your friends at the pub which obviously I do and, and you'd have, have time to work them out before yeah, you broadcast and, and that's definitely a... yeah particularly when, when there's massively complicated issues which uh, which your thinking goes back and forth and it flows right. and it's fluid and, and it kind of alters depending on who you're reading and the perspective of that person you're reading and sometimes you can understand stuff from multiple angles and see all arguments and yeah so it's kind of when you don't weigh in because of that it feels it feels a bit of a, like an impotence as well like you want to voice something but you, you want to voice your confusion and your I don't know guys but that's not a thing that's not you're not right. saying anything and that's some of the posts you see and I, they kind of I don't know, it's nice to see that, I suppose, that other people are on the same page as you in terms of being,
1: I don't know. I I think even, I mean, even the people who, and I'm probably one of these people who who say things like statements. Yeah. I mean, even people who do that don't really know. Yeah. Like, I mean, if they think they know, then, I mean, I'm a bit sceptical of certainty, right? (laughs) Yeah. So, so, I mean, so even though I make lots of certain statements, uh, ultimately, when I come back down to it, I'm like, well, certainty is yeah. isn't that the problem for for all things? When you when yeah. someone's too certain of something, Absolutely. that's where the problem is. Weirdly, go.
0: this massively ties back into poetry because not weirdly, well, I'm definitely because, because hopefully because because <laughs> this is what I struggle with with categorically. This is a thing, particularly when it comes to sort of political issues, social issues. I find that hard because I know there's always other sides and there's other arguments, and this happens in, in all kinds of poetry, actually, and all kinds of art, actually. Not just poetry. Poetry's not the only culprit. But this is the thing, and this is the truth, and this is the answer. I, 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 I don't know. That feels like a blog post or an essay, yeah. not a poem to me. Yeah. I mean, I, so I, I, I like opinion, and I like uh, perspective, and I like here's what I think. And that can certainly be done in poems. But when it's when it's delivered in a quite a didactic way, I struggle with that. I really, I kind of, yeah... When well, poems tell you what the answer is and what the solution is, I'm, I kind of feel maybe a three-minute poem isn't policy, isn't the yeah. way that, that you know that, that.
1: Yeah. So you're more in the the camp of of art of asks questions than answers them. I think it
0: can ask, and I, I think it can answer. I think, certainly think it can, but I don't think, I don't think the answers are the same kind of answers that policymakers have to decide or, uh, or. People who run charities have to decide, or or whatever.
1: Yeah, because um, there's less stakes.
0: There's less stakes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, there massively is. The person who has to spend the money and and make and and has the responsibility for any impact that happens has a different responsibility to someone standing on stage and saying, "Here's what I think."
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can make a show in Edinburgh, like I'm going to do, that says a lot of opinions. And then the mm. next year, you can take a show up in Edinburgh that says everything I said last year was wrong. And, no, <laughs> and, and nobody's really suffered That's directly so as a result
0: of that. Absolutely. It's so true. Yeah. 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 It's very, very, <laughs> it's very confusing world, I think.
1: Yeah it, it you when you overanalyze <laughs> it. Well yeah I mean yeah overanalyzing the world is kind of where I live really. Mm-hmm. Um the yeah so the last the last question mm. that I ask my my, <laughs> my, my my guess is is uh do you have anything to plug so <laughs> I guess we've we've we've, we've touched sure. on a lot of your things but maybe we could uh Tell people um, how to find them. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's a good one. So, what's a plug? Upcoming um, anti-Slam, anti-Valentine show at Hackney Attic on Saturday the 14th of February as part of Varjack and Simpson's partnership. Uh, so, I think we're UK. Uh, look us up. There's some cool stuff happening there. Um, Stand Up and Slam is ongoing. StandUpAndSlam.com, I believe. Uh, and at Stand Up and Slam on Twitter. Lots of poetry versus comedy shows amazing comedians amazing poets battling each other we've just added a load of cool games to it so instead of actually just going here's a cool poet here's a cool comedian we have uh, like a comedian doing a poem and we have poems poets doing uh, comedy sets we have people responding to each other's art form uh, the, each other's um, sets in their own art form uh, we have quick fire little battle rounds it's a really cool show now we've added a load of good stuff to it
1: well that sounds good because it was already yeah. good before you uh, done that, it's, so. it's actually
0: it feels it's a nice development for it because it started off just essentially a variety show with a kind of the battle theme was just a nice way of getting an audience in and kind of getting the comedians and poets on stage. But now we actually get them to engage with the, we get the poets and the comedians to actually go against each other. They both have to respond to the same headline, one with the poem, one oh, with the comedy good. set, stuff like that. So it actually you can see the similarities, differences, and the essentially what there should be a very loving relationship between comedy and poetry. Uh, so that's really fun. We're doing that at Camden Comedy Club and at the Hackney Attic as well. Uh, kicking off very soon otherwise yeah just ongoing gigs and and work and all sorts of hopefully cool interesting poetry stuff and you're going to be podcasting is that right? I hope so yeah Barjack and Simpson new podcast tentatively titled Fail Better it should be fun it's going to be a podcast all about creative failure and, nice. how, and it's going to be a bit what we've spoken about, about method and we're going to get a poet on, we're going to have a non-poet they're going to talk about their biggest failures professionally on stage what they learned, how they got better we're going to talk about failure in pop culture, terrible pop lyrics that sort of stuff, tying into Nevermind the Full Stops so yeah, it's going to be kind of looking at failure how we can get better from it and celebrate it I suppose
1: and do you, do you have a, a, a did you mention a personal website for people yeah I'm
0: uh, dansimpsonpoet.co.uk I'm at dansimpsonpoet on twitter uh, if you want to see, hear my mainly tweets about admin at the moment, hopefully funny <laughs> tweets about admin uh, but also kind of links to poems and uh, geeky stuff uh, yeah and all my work is on my website
1: well thank you very much for, for coming on the show thank you uh, and the last thing I ask my guests mm. to do is to say goodbye to the audience goodbye audience
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry I'm getting embarrassed um, right thanks for me, Uh goodbye everyone
1: bye everybody you can find Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter at UVA Podcast you can find it on Facebook it's Getting Better Acquainted have a search on Facebook and like it or you can find it on the website www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk You can also subscribe by searching on itunes and subscribing to us that way and on the stitcher smart radio app you can download for your smartphone from stitcher.com or through the app store there are lots of ways to get better acquainted